You're listening to Paranormal Portal on Revolver Podcasts. Everybody and welcome to the Paranormal Portal Podcast. I'm your host, Brent Thomas. Hope you guys made it through the Thanksgiving holiday just fine and are doing well on your way towards the, the holiday season ahead. Um, and I just want to say a special thank you to all of you out there that are spreading the word about the podcast. We're meeting new listeners all the time, and we owe it all to you guys. Thank you so much for helping more people find the portal. And uh, remember, if you've got experiences of your very own and would like to share on the show, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, and we'll have you as a guest on the podcast as well. And you can reach out to us at paranormalportalradio at gmail.com. Again, paranormalportalradio at gmail.com. So today we got a great show lined up for you. I've got Catherine from Wisconsin with me, and she's going to share uh, a bit of her journey uh, into the wilds of the paranormal. So hope you guys are all ready because this is going to be a good one. Welcome to the show, Catherine. How are you doing? Hi, how are you? I'm fine, and thank you for having me on the show. Well, thank you for making this work, and I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and uh, to have you on the show. Um, you've shared a bit of your background with me, and i got to tell you, it sounds like some amazing things you've experienced. But uh, first and foremost, I guess the best place to start is, where did all this start for you? Well, for me, I was born into it. Um, you see, on both mother and father's side, uh, paranormal and the psychics uh, go so far back, we're not even sure who was the first to have it. So I kind of more or less from childhood on, I've uh, had uh, anything that's weird and unusual has always seems to be attracted to myself or to my brother. Uh, my, between us, we could write a book. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does seem to happen, and it does seem to to definitely be an incredible issue for those those families and, and peoples that are that are very uh, energetically aware. I guess is the best way to put it, or psychic, as you said. Um, that does seem to be a, a a real common thing we hear on the show. So, uh, well, let me, I can guess I'll start out with the story of our house on uh, Milwaukee Seaside. I can't give you the address because right now there is a building standing there. Oh, sure. But it was on Milwaukee and Knapp Street. On, on our east side, it was a big house, 14 rooms. And uh, my grandfather was the second to own the house. And it was always told to me that the house was haunted. Now, there were two parts to the house that I never liked going to. One part was up in the attic by a window, and the other part was down in a basement near a fruit cellar. Uh And as long as I could remember, I never cared for either part of uh, the house. So um, I can remember when the city wanted to claim the house, 
and tear it down because they were going to put a freeway on it, which never happened. So uh, a few months before our house was torn down, um, I was getting up to go out and meet some of my friends downtown Milwaukee, and it was a Saturday, and I walked through the family room, and, I, and you know, in the old houses, they had those wooden rails that ran all the way around, and you had, you set your knickknacks or pictures or whatever on it. Oh, sure. And I looked at it, and for some reason, I looked at the rail, and there was a picture of myself, uh, another family member, and my two cousins. And uh, I'm looking, and I'm watching blood running out of the wall, and I go, that's impossible. Oh, my God. And it ran around the one person's picture. It ran around mine, and uh, sadly, it ran around my two cousins, who in later in life has had it very difficult. Uh-huh. And... Um, I went and I got my father up, and I said to my father, I said, Dad, I said, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're used to the strange things. I said, would you come and check this? And he watched it run blood. And uh, he said, well, Catherine, let's be logical first. So he said, let's go up into the attic. And he said, I'll get a floodlight, and we'll check. Maybe a cat got between the walls, because anyone who knows anything about the old homes, mm-hmm. the walls are very far apart. Yes. Yeah. And uh, we checked, and he put the floodlight down. There was nothing to be seen whatsoever. So uh, I tried scrubbing it off. My grandmother had me get up on a ladder and try to scrub it off. Even though we only had a few months left to uh, stay there, uh, she didn't want to see it. Right. So I tried scrubbing it with whatever we could, and we couldn't. My, so my dad even brought paint. Uh-huh. He said, well, we'll paint over it. The paint wouldn't stick to it. So the blood stayed on the walls to the very day that they tore the house down. Oh, my God. Uh, So too much to my curiosity, uh, after we moved to Milwaukee's west side, um, I decided to go in the library and look up uh, the history of the house. And uh, the archives were showing me that uh, my grandfather was the second owner, which I knew. Uh And before him, who built it in 1900, was an undertaker. Oh. And uh, he was married to a very young woman, who I used to see her and this young man all the time in the house. And uh, she was uh, having an affair with a young man. And the undertaker found out. And he chased her up into the attic and stabbed her to death in the attic by the window that I never liked to be by. Oh, my God. Then he went down into the basement, and by the fruit cellar, he hung himself. Oh. So that always more or less explained the reasons why I never liked to that uh, in a house. Right. But I, when I uh, moved out of it, I thought, you know, I was... Uh, about 15 when we moved out of it. And I thought, okay, this is the end of the hauntings of ghosts coming into my bedroom and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Wrong. <laughs> we managed to move into a house on Walnut Street that was just as haunted. Oh, my God. Uh, by an old man who died of a heart attack up in the attic. And um, I, I can remember that uh, he would walk around. He wouldn't bother me. But there were certain members of my family he wasn't too fond of, and he would more or less uh, pick on them. Um, my sister, Gabby, who's now passed away, he used to watch over her, and she used to talk to him, and she used to tell me, uh, Kathy, she says, the ghost man comes into my bedroom and talks to me. I go, oh, really, Gabby? She goes, oh, yeah, you know, but he doesn't like my mom, you know. Wow. And I went, you know, I just kind of more or less left it at that. <laughs> uh, so uh, one of the things that uh, I can tell you about was from our church that my grandfather was caretaker of. Again, I can't give you the name of the church uh, because it exists now. Sure. But the old church, uh, which was on Broadway uh, in Knapp, um, was very haunted, too. And many a times... Um, I went with my grandfather to the church, and I helped him clean up. And now I don't know if anybody's going to believe this. It's up to them. But I'm going to tell you the story anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was after a holiday. And uh, my grandfather was in the back cleaning up, and women at that time were not allowed to be by the altar. So I just sat on the two steps that led up to the altar and waiting for my grandfather to uh, do whatever he had to do. And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking, and there was a huge picture 
of St. Michael, okay? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm looking at St. Michael, and all of a sudden St. Michael stepped out of the picture. Oh, and I'm wow. And I'm thinking to myself, no, 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 you're trying to be very logical, you know, and I'm sure. shaking my head. I go, I am not seeing what I'm seeing. <laughs> okay. And my grandfather came out of the back, and he saw St. Michael. And he says, Catherine, kneel, Catherine, kneel. And I wasn't going to argue. I kneeled. And uh, St. Michael walked up to us. He looked at us, turned around, walked back, and went into the picture. Now, I belonged to the choir there, and I, uh, it happened to be that Alex, our choir director, decided he was going to change the seating of the choir. Uh, and guess where he stuck me? <laughs> right next to the picture of St. Michael. Needless to say, St. Mike never came out again, you know. Um, the other thing before the tour to church down that happened was, um, again, I was waiting for my grandfather, and uh, it was right after Easter, and uh, I saw the uh, picture of uh, Christ praying on Mount Olive, and uh, again, I was sitting on the steps, and I looked up, and the head of Christ turned and looked at me and smiled and just turned back. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to say something to anyone, so finally I told the priest that was there, and the priest said, oh, he says, you saw that too, did you? And I went, <laughs> uh, yeah. And he says, don't worry about it. Hmm. Um, I could tell you many stories just from the church alone, but I think I'll get into uh, a subject of um, uh, what happened when my sister died. She's My sister Gabrielle is dead about, ooh, I'd say four or five years now. Okay. And about a month after she died, and sadly, uh, when my computer went down, I lost this. Um, I have uh, heard the phone ring, and I didn't bother to answer it. And uh, the answering machine kicked in, and I heard, Kathy, hi, I love you, bye. And it was my sister, Gabby. Oh, my God. So it was like, Okay, <laughs> you know, um, even uh, with um, my husband passed away two and a half years ago, and he makes himself quite known um, around the house. Uh, I think the most recent was uh, on my birthday, November 10th. I was sitting in the family room, and my uh, garage door I always keep locked. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of a sudden, I heard a click. And then I heard an, a turning of a doorknob, and I stood there, and I watched as the door slowly opened up, and the light went on. And I went, oh, hi, Jake. <laughs> Glad to know you're around. I more or less left it at that. <laughs> now, I, I could tell you a lot of stories of things that I've seen, but I think I would like to really share with people that um, there are angels, and they are out there. Um, I, see, when I was 15, I had bronchial pneumonia back in the 50s, and back then uh, they didn't have what they have now, and I literally died. Oh, and like um, always, you see a white light, everybody, the typical what everyone goes through, the white light. Mm-hmm. I saw Christ, and Christ said it wasn't my time, and he said there, I was too important to die. He says there's too much for me to do on this earth, and he sent me back. And uh, I can, I'm not going to get into the whole story because it's very long. Sure. But um, when I moved to the West Side with my family, uh, we didn't live far from the old Harley Davidson building, the factory. Okay. And, uh, you know, it was summer, and you know how kids uh, joke around and they kid. And they, uh, we were walking down to the Harley building, which was very dark at that time. They didn't have much street lights on. And from the Harley Davidson building, they had a bridge that arched and went over train tracks into an empty parking lot, which they used for their employees. Now, the parking lot had no lights on at all. Uh-huh. Now, the girl who was threatening me to cross over into the dark parking lot, she was very tall and thin, and she could run faster than any guy. So she's standing at the end of the bridge, and, of course, dumb Catherine went and she said, I took the challenge, you know. Mm-hmm. And my instincts were saying, don't do it, don't do it. I got to the middle of the bridge, and it was like I walked into a brick wall. I couldn't go any further. And my friend Linda uh, watched this happen, and she said, I was literally picked up 
in the middle of the air, spun around, and I heard a voice say, Catherine, run for your life, because if you go into that parking lot, you will be killed. And I ran, and I'm not a fast runner, trust me. <laughs> and I ran, I ran so fast, I ran past my friend Linda, and I didn't stop until I got up to 35th Street, and Linda said she couldn't even catch up to me. Oh, and she said, what happened? And I related to her. She said, Kathy, I saw you picked up in the middle of the air, spun around, and literally pushed to run. I said, yeah. And she said, uh, so we didn't say anything. The next morning in the Milwaukee Sentinel, uh, a girl was murdered and raped in that parking lot. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Wow. And so this has happened to me several times before where uh, the angels have saved my life. Um, most recently, uh, I don't know if it was an angel, my husband, or a combination of both. It was early this year in March. I was coming home from the dentist on a very busy street called Silver Spring. Okay. And I was hitting the, the rush hour traffic. And even as I was sitting in the parking lot, something kept saying, will you just sit long and just don't go anywhere for about 10, 15 minutes? I went, oh, I want to get home, right? right. I'm going against my instincts and what I heard. So I'm, I'm going down Silver Spring, and uh, there was this divider that was open to uh, uh, opposing traffic on the other side and a, um, a gas station. Mm-hmm. And I'm like about almost two car lengths behind the other car. And I go, oh, for God's sakes, pull up, Catherine. And I went to pull up, and a voice said, no, don't. And I go, what the heck, you know? Right. So I pulled up, again. all of a sudden, somebody hit my foot with their foot on a, on a brake. My car came to a snapping stop. And all of a sudden, just like within a matter of seconds, a car came, and the police were changing. I, I don't know what this guy did, but the police chased this car and he cut through where I would have been. Oh man. Had had I stood uh stood there, not only would he would have hit me uh T-boned, there would have been uh two other squad cars that would have piled up and the cars behind us that were squad cars, it would have been a major pile up. Right. And because whatever it was hit my foot and and prevented me from moving up like I wanted to, the car bypassed me with all the squad cars uh, chasing it. And at first I was thinking, oh, God, that's exciting, until I got home and I realized what yeah. could have happened, right. you know. Yeah. And yeah. this has been pretty much my life. <laughs> that's pretty amazing. It seems, uh, uh, you know, phenomenal, of course, to think that there are these divine beings watching your path and helping you on the journey. And, and, and I think it's amazing. I, you know, I, I think about, for instance, the story that you shared about the parking lot being picked up and turned around and it's, it's absolutely beautiful and, and wonderful. But you know, the, the part that I get stuck on is why didn't it save the other girl too then, you know, and that's the part of life, of course, that's hard to understand, but I'm just really thrilled to hear, well, you know, that you were. My, my personal opinion is that God has a plan for all of us. We cannot comprehend sure. what the father has planned for us. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to get into that because then we're getting into metaphysics. Sure. But, if, you know, if I had known back then what would have happened, of course I would have went home, I would have called the yeah. police yeah. and forewarned them. You know, um, I mean, when I picked up that paper in the morning, I oh. think my, my jaw must have hit the table. <laughs> and even my friend Linda, you know, uh, she came over and she said, did you see, did you see? I said, yes, Linda, I saw. She said, oh, my God, Catherine, you would have been killed. Yeah. And I said, and she pretty much said the same thing what you just said. And it's really hard to understand and comprehend sure. why yeah. the Father lets things happen to one person and not to another, right. you know. And one thing in my 75 years I've learned is not to question. Okay, everybody, I think it's time we got to take a break. So don't go away, and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. Hey guys, Brent Thomas here of the Paranormal Portal Podcast. We just wanted to take a moment to introduce you to the Paranormal Portal Store. 
We've got t-shirts, hoodies, leggings, stickers, mugs, you name it, you might find it over there. So head on over to teespring.com slash stores slash paranormal dash portal. And you too can help fund the Paranormal Portal podcast. Thank you so much for all that you do. And thank you for being a part of our Paranormal Portal family. everybody and we're back and we're back at it here on the paranormal portal podcast buckle up we're going in i've seen many things i've seen the immense power of god and the power of satan um can i tell you one story about uh, a house that uh i used to work with uh, reverend carl's i won't give his last name out uh, he passed away, but his family still exists. And he started the first Wisconsin paranormal group. Mm-hmm. And um, this house was uh, downtown Milwaukee. And uh, now there's a, a freeway that goes through where this house stood. But we went in to investigate. And Carl did taught uh, paranormal at um, the university. Okay. And uh, so he asked me, Catherine, do you want to come with this group? I need uh, uh, another adult with these uh, kids. And I go, okay, Carl, fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was an old mansion, and but it was one of those mansions where the steps came all the way to the city sidewalk, okay? Oh. Oh. And, um, we were waiting for the caretaker to open the door and let us in. And... Uh, as I was standing there waiting, I saw on the left-hand side somebody move the curtain, oh, you know, like they were looking, sure. and then let it slide back. And I said to Carl, I said, he must be inside. You know, I, I said, I'm sure somebody's in there. And Carl goes, no, there's no one in there. And a few minutes later, the uh, caretaker came with the key, and he opened up. And I told him, I said, you sure you weren't in there? Somebody's not in there. And he goes, oh, did you see something? And I went, <laughs> yeah. And he just acted kind of weird and didn't say anything and just gave us the do's and don'ts of uh, what to touch and what not to touch. Uh-huh. So as you came in, there was a huge hallway with a sweeping staircase that went from wide steps up to narrow steps as it uh, went up to the second floor. Okay. Uh, to the left of us was the library where I thought, thought I saw somebody looking out. To the right was, uh, you know, their uh, front room where they entertained people. And we, we walked around all around downstairs and nothing happened at all. And uh, then Carl says, come on, let's check upstairs. And the third step from the bottom, I wouldn't step on it. And I kind of like jumped over it. And, of course, the, the, the UWN students looked at me like I was crazy, you know, <laughs> and I just said, I can't step on that step. Uh-huh. Carl didn't say nothing to me. He didn't tell me anything about the place, all right? Mm-hmm. He knew about it, but I didn't. Okay. And uh, we got up to the second floor, and a lot of bedrooms, typical, you know, old-fashioned from the 1800s, so on. And we are getting ready to leave, kind of being very disappointed that nothing happened. And one of the girls turned around and said to one of the guys, will you stop pushing me? <laughs> and the guy said, hey, I didn't push you. She huh? said, yes, you did. And I went, oh, God, I knew right away it had to be a spirit. Sure. And... Uh, uh, so I said, come on, guys, let's go. And he went to, I said, he says, you think that's a ghost? I said, yeah, it's odds are it's a ghost. So he's uh, flashing his camera all over trying to capture something. Mm-hmm. And whether he did, I don't know, because I never found out. But um, all of a sudden, somebody hit the camera out of his hand and went flying. Oh. And I did, uh, there's a couple no-nos that you don't do when you go hunt ghost hunting. Okay. One, you never drink alcohol because alcohol brings in negativity. Sure. Two, you don't lose your temper. I lost my temper, my Irish temper. And mm. I yelled at the spirit, and I said, you leave these kids alone. You leave them alone right now. Oh. And um, the kids went down. They went flying down the steps, needless to say. Uh-huh. And Carl went before me, and I went. I was the last to leave. And... 
I went and I didn't want to step on that third step again. And I literally, of course, I was a lot younger back then. I jumped down onto the floor. Uh-huh. And as I hit the floor, I was picked up, thrown against the wall, oh and was being choked. Oof. And Carl was uh, saying the Lord's Prayer and a couple other prayers. And in my mind, I was saying a banishment prayer. Okay. Okay. And after what seemed like an eternity to me was actually only about a half a minute to a minute. And all of a sudden, it just dropped me. And uh, needless to say, the kids already flew out the door. They weren't even going (laughs) to stay there. And uh, I went out, and um, Carl uh, did some blessings to the area. And when we got outside, um, uh, he... uh, looked at me, and he said, well, let me tell you about the history of the house, Catherine. He said, it was an Irish uh, uh, man who owned it. I don't remember the name he gave anymore. Uh He was, I guess, a shipping tycoon, okay? And uh, they don't know if the woman was his girlfriend or his wife, but uh, he accused her of being um, unfaithful, Uh and he stabbed her to death on the third step. Oh, jeez. And he was (laughs) He was known to be a part of a mob, the Irish mob. Oh, man. Therefore, it accounts for why I was slammed up against the wall and choked. Right. Oh, man, that's really intense. Oh, yeah. It's something, you know, I always laugh at people uh, or a lot of these programs, which I won't mention, but a lot of the TV shows, they say, oh, they're not dangerous. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe you didn't come across anything that was not dangerous, but I have. Yes. So I have literally seen the power of God, and I've literally seen the power of evil. Man, that's intense. I don't take anything lightly. Exactly, and you know, and I've said the same thing on my show many times. It's like some of the worst advice I've heard is that you know the oh don't worry ghosts can't hurt you, and you know I've got I've got a family member that was brutalized as a child by a spirit and slammed around oh, yeah. and choked, and he was just a little kid. He didn't do anything wrong. He just was there. And, uh, you know, I mean, for people just to make those claims, I think, is pretty irresponsible because I think they can. Well, you know, I, I've been ridiculed a lot, even on Facebook. Um, I belong to this one group that shows haunted houses. And most of the time I don't voice my opinion. But once in a while I'll get a real strong impression, good or bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, I get ridiculed for it. But I guess... You know, when you get to be my age, you more or less expect people are going to ridicule you. Sure. Uh, it's kind of sad that people are closed-minded to what they believe is the truth. Right. Um, and all I can tell you on this show is never take anything for granted when it comes to the paranormal. Right. To make a sense is foolish. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the basis for that is we don't really understand it. We don't understand anything about it, and for people to make absolute statements about it, I think is just absolutely premature and, and again, irresponsible. Yes, very. Um, if you have any questions, I'll be happy uh, to answer and do my best for you. Oh, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. I would like to hear, you know, whatever you'd like to say, uh, you know, as far as the stories about churches and stuff, if there's more of those, I find those absolutely interesting because I think churches are a pretty incredible place, you know, or, or places of worship. I've always been intrigued by them specifically because that's where people are looking for their connection with the divine. And I think they have so much energy in them. So, you know, some of those experiences that you've had, as well as the, you know, the, the Michael thing stepping out and the, the Jesus face looking at you, uh, any other experiences like that, I'd love to hear. Well, the only other thing I can remember before they tore our church down, it was last Easter. Mm-hmm. And, um, the church was pretty well empty after after it was a it was Good Friday, mm-hmm. and we have like a little alcove where basically we always had the mother the Madonna and child the picture of the Madonna and child in there. But during Easter they replaced it with the the crucifix. Okay. Um, it just was a typical old black and white picture of Christ on the cross with the Holy Mother on one side and the saints on the other, and. The priest was blessing, of course, with holy water and everything, and uh, I was walking past it, and for whatever reason, I decided I was going to stop and look at the picture, and it was real wet. It was all wet, and I went, oh, okay, I'm going to take my tissue out, and I'm going to wipe it dry. Uh-huh. I wiped it. It ran 
water from the hands, the feet, and the side of Christ. Oh, wow. And the more I wiped it, the more it ran. Um, I called my grandfather, who in turn uh, called the priest, and uh, the, there was a, an old woman who came up, and, of course, needless to say, she fell to her knees and cried and was praying. And Father said, uh, we will let this run for three days. If it's still running after Easter, we'll call in the bishop. It ran for three days. On uh, Easter Sunday, it stopped running. Wow. What an amazing thing. Um, because I, I believe uh, very much in the, you know, the, the, the divine presence in those places. I think it's everywhere as well. But I think that you know, those places have seen so much. Uh, well, they've Promise. yeah. They see celebration. They see pain. They you know, there's 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 weddings. There's baptisms. There's funerals. There's the whole spectrum of thing and people looking for guidance and and so I think that they're such energetic places that uh, you know to see something uh, divine like that. Like when you were talking about the the uh, the archangel Michael stepping out um, in your in your in your uh, opinion, that was really him there. Not just, oh, yeah. not just another if, apparition. If my grandfather had not seen it as well, mm-hmm. I would have questioned my sanity. All yeah. right. Uh, but my grandfather told me many stories of, because uh, he was a caretaker for oh, over 55 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, he told me many stories and experiences he had, you know. And um, the only one that I experienced in the church that uh, he and my father both experienced when my father was a young boy, the same thing happened to him. And that was uh, a long time ago. Uh, I remember so well it was uh, July. Mm-hmm. And our church was built like on a uh, a, a, a hill, okay. And uh, I can't remember any more why I was sent down to the church. It was uh, a weekday, mm-hmm. and my friend Darlene was with me. And uh, my grandmother sent me down there to get something or do something. And the church had a side entrance. We we hardly ever used a front entrance. You just didn't do that. Okay. So when you came into the side side entrance, it was an enormously heavy metal door, and it was a hall. And the steps either led down to the uh, basement where the Sunday school rooms were, or up into the church, or up into the balconies and the bells. Mm-hmm. And um, I went into the side door of the church. And uh, up to the, uh, not through the main entrance, but was a do- another door behind some pews. And we went in there, and I said to Darlene, I said, I got to go uh, up to the altar. Nobody was there, so when no one was there, I could go and get it. Okay. Um, and I got halfway down the aisle, and our church had three huge chandeliers. The main one was in the middle, and it was enormous. Mm. And I saw this swaying back and forth, and Darlene's poking me, she says, Kathy, do you see this? I go, oh, yes, I do, just ignore it, I have to get what I have to get. Mm-hmm. Darlene already backed to the door, ready to go, <laughs> and I started walking down, and all of a sudden, smoke started rolling off the altar. Oh. First, I thought that church was on fire, but it was the smell of frankincense and myrrh. Oh, wow. And it became so overpowering, and I heard this, mm, mm. you never seen two young girls fly out of a church so far. We, it was like almost a comedy when we got to the outside door. We were literally fighting each other to get out. And finally, I just stepped aside and I said, get out, darling, get up, out now. We ran up that steep hill herself. I mean, I think we made it in less than two minutes, you know, <laughs> and we didn't stop until we got up to the main street of uh, Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we just kind of stood and we looked at each other and I went and my dad was home and I told my dad what just happened. And my father started laughing. And I said, Dad, that's not funny. That was scary. He goes, no, I'm laughing because the same thing happened to me when I was your age and I had to go to the church for something. <laughs> I Okay, you wow. know, so it's nice to know somebody else had the same experience, you know. But that's been pretty much my life. If it's strange, weird, and odd, I've seen it, you know, it's happened to me, um, mm-hmm. be it UFOs, be it uh, par- anything in the paranormal. 
it's pretty much happened to myself or my family. Okay, everybody, I think it's time we got to take a break. So don't go away, and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. everybody and we're back and we're back at it here on the paranormal portal podcast buckle up we're going in i think the only other weird thing i can think i mean i've had a lot of experiences with ghosts especially working with carl mm-hmm. uh in places that we visit uh, like um it was a restaurant on um, i don't think it was lake geneva it was uh, some restaurant they were going to tear down. I think they were going to tear it down to put the Playboy Club up. And we went out there, and we were walking through the older restaurant. And uh, as we walked out, things were flying and, and being shot at us, uh, strips of wood, uh, little pieces of stone. Um, wow. And I asked Carl, I said, okay, now what did you get me into now? And he goes, oh, he says, this used to be a brothel at one time. And uh, the mob, you know, back from the 1920s uh, had it, and he said, that's why they're tearing it down. And I just looked at him, I said, you know, the full well, Carl, tearing that down is not going to make the ghost go away. It will just simply occupy the the new building. Right. And he says, oh, that, you know that, but uh, we're, I'm not saying nothing to anybody. So whether there's ghosts walking around I, uh, <laughs> by the Playboy Club there, I have no idea, <laughs> you know. Wow. So do you think, do you think in terms of like, well, of course, wherever there's been tragedy and stuff, there's certainly imprints and um, residuals and intelligent spirits left behind. Oh, yeah. But now in churches, I find it very interesting that there's such profound spiritual activity there because, of course, as, as houses of worship and, and uh, observance of, oh, you know, the, the quest for the divine, you would think there would be there there wouldn't be the same kind of stuff and and it does sound different what you're explaining but do you think that each well or at least many churches have what would be uh maybe a a, a guardian presence to them and and that's what you're experiencing in some of these things now i'm not i'm not doubting that you saw you know michael step out of there and that you saw the face of christ turn towards you i'm not doubting that at all but just the swinging chandelier the smoke which was incense and stuff do you think that that is maybe uh, a guardian of some sort that has well, taken um, vigil there. If this story story is true, what my father told me about when he was a young boy, mm-hmm. the church was first built. The first thing they do, it, it's not considered clean until they have a ceremony where they scrub down the altars. Okay? Okay. And my dad said he was... Uh, he snuck between the archbishop's legs and ran into the church before everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> and I can believe that of my dad. And um, he said he swears, he absolutely swears that he saw a red devil run from one side of the church to the other side and jump through the wall and ran away. So I'm taking it from what this, if you want to believe it or not, mm-hmm. is that a church isn't really uh, cleansed until the ceremony is performed to cleanse it. Okay. Uh, and I'm sure once it's cleansed, um, you know, it, 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 you have your guardian angels and your guardian spirits looking over the church. And yet when I, I read a lot, and what I see sometimes on Facebook or uh, churches from long centuries ago, uh, that uh, there are demons that roam it. And I have to wonder, I always wondered the same thing as you have, um, why something that has been cleansed and purified at the beginning uh, can be occupied by something demonic. Right. And I take, the only way I can take that is something's empty for many centuries. Um, You've got to wonder if, and not being used, you've got to wonder if... Uh, the angels are called back, and the Father says, okay, just leave it now. It's a building. And, of course, you know yourself that anything demonic will love nothing more than to mock the Trinity. Sure, yeah. And so perhaps this is why some of the churches, uh, 
claim to um, have demonic entities in it, because I know I've read quite a bit from, you know, foreign uh, uh, countries, especially England, uh, where uh, churches are just but a shell of a, a building, right. and yet um, the people who go and investigate, and these are top-of-the-line, uh, you know, uh, people who investigate, and they'll find um, something demonic in there. And that's the only really logical uh, thing I can come up with. That after a long period of time being abandoned, and uh, the uh, you know the lack of the constant ceremonies that keeps something blessed, sure. that that can happen. I, if yeah. someone can come up with a better explanation, I'm more than willing to hear it. Yeah, and I think I think you're right. I, th- I think certainly the the absence of of people and practices would would you know have a waning effect, I suppose, on anything, but. I have actually, in the course of doing my show, heard from a person, and this is news to me, but apparently when the churches decommission a church, they actually do a ritual that suspends the church's presence and authority over a place. And I don't know if that's true or not, but this is just one, what one person said, because I was the same way. I'm like, well, how come? How come that ground doesn't stay sacred like it does in a, you know, in a cemetery or, you know, that's always holy ground. But apparently uh, what this person said is that the church, when they're decommissioning a church, there will be a ritual of, you know, decommissioning, for lack of a better term, and where they close that that sanctity or whatever. And I, I don't know if that's true or not, but... Uh, well, it, it, it could very well be. I know when our church, when they went to tear our church down, of course, maybe it's because it was torn down. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't do anything. So that might be a different, you know, point of view of, hey, this is going to be torn down, why do it? Mm-hmm. But if a church is going to remain standing, I can believe that that can happen. But then again, I'm still hearing stories. Um, a friend of mine, April, she lived in Alabama, uh-huh. uh, the street from... Um, uh, a church uh, that was, I can't, I'm not going to give the name because I don't want to get in trouble, sure. but she lived across the street from the church, and um, the church actually had a lot of demonic entities in it, uh-huh. and uh, she's very psychic herself, extremely psychic, mm-hmm. and uh, she, in fact, you might even get her to come on your show, because mm-hmm. I see she's on your friend list. Okay. But Fantastic. She can really tell you some stories about her house that was uh, haunted uh, there, and I was helping her. In fact, I was helping her identify the spirits, because she was telling me about the many, many spirits that were in this house. And she said, Catherine, she said, would you help me identify it? And I did viewing, and I told her about the bodies that were buried on the property. She said, well, yeah, she said, it used to be a uh, cemetery for the church across the street. And uh, when the priests uh, wanted a house, they built the house right on top of the cemetery. Oh. And um, she can tell you the stories far better than I can. But I did remote viewing, and I told her where bodies were. And I said, is there a well on your property? She goes, yeah. I said, is there a couple bodies in that well? She goes, yeah. Uh-huh. And I went, okay, and I, I, she says uh, there's also bodies from the Civil War on her property. And uh, as I was telling her what I saw, I, I said, well, the house was once a brothel, and I told her the names of the, the people I saw. And um, I told her, I said, you got a couple demons there right on that, that land. And she said, yeah, I know that. She said, I've been attacked several times. Mm. And through the phone, the demon I've, I, let me try to mimic I, uh, what I heard on the phone because it started to attack me literally through the phone. Mm-hmm. I'll try to my best to imitate it. It was more like... You couldn't totally understand it, but you knew it was demonic. Oh, no. So I had to go... Uh, this happened to me three times. And finally, I uh, when I talked to her several times, they would come through the phone. And I had to do uh, an exorcism act. Oh, wow. On the phone, literally on the phone. And I took holy water, and I I, I cleaned my phone off, and I said, April, I says, if you don't mind, I love you dearly. But I said, I am not going to talk anymore about your house. I said, three times they came and attacked me through the phone. I'd rather not do it anymore. Well, she she, uh, was supposed to, the house was supposed to be, Zach Bagan was supposed to come and do a show there, okay. but there was uh, some disagreement on it. 
And um, I won't get into that because it's not for me to go into it. It's her sure. her to say. Sure. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, it, it's all I can tell somebody is that it's not easy being who I am. Right. Okay. Right. I mean, I've seen a lot of things in my life, and God has placed me in places that I had no intention of going to. And that's another story in itself, and I'm sure you don't have the time for that. But um, I do believe we're all placed in the right place at the right time for the right reason. I've seen it happen far too many times, Mm -hmm. Uh, times where I was supposed to be one place and I wound up in another place only to run into a woman who decided she was going to talk to me. And we sat down and ate uh, at a Chinese restaurant, and she had boyfriend problems, and Mm -hmm. she told me about them, and I told her my point of view. And uh, when we left, she says, you know, you're God's son, Catherine. And I go, well, thank you. I said, why? She pulled open her purse. She had a gun. She was going to go home and kill herself. Wow, that's beautiful. And said because she talked to me, she says she took the gun, she took it all apart and threw it in the garbage, the city garbage can, and uh, she said, no, nope, I'm going to live. Mm. So, you see, God does work in strange ways. Sure, yeah, and I, and I have no doubt of that, too. It's just, you know, sometimes from our vantage point, it's really hard to see or make any, any sense out of the madness that goes on in the world, but, but you're right, and that's nice to be reminded of that, too, because... My God, if nobody's controlling this ship, we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, you better believe it. We will be in big trouble. So. The only other time I had was when I was in the U.K. with my friend Gina. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went into a church. It was one of the smaller churches. I can't remember anymore where it was. And uh, I was sitting there, and there was only a handful of people in the church. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a lot of the churches over there, they have bodies in the walls. Oh, okay. And uh, they have, um, you know, the name of the person who's buried there. Okay. And uh, I'm kind of looking at the name, and I'm not paying too much attention to it. It was a Catholic church, and I went and I burnt a candle, and I sat down and I prayed, and I don't know where Gina was at this time. And... Uh, I felt somebody sit next to me, and I didn't pay any attention to it because I was in deep prayer. And they kept, like, nudging me, you know, oh. like somebody slides on, on, on the bench and, like, okay, move over, move over, move right. over. Mm-hmm. I'm, going, I'm starting to get annoyed, you know, because <laughs> I moved once, then I moved twice. And uh, I go, at first, I, I, then I finally turned around and thought, okay, I'm going to say something. I'm trying to be nice, but I have to say something. No one was there. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So uh, that's about the only other church experience I've had. Um, you know, uh, I oh, no, there's one thing I got to tell you. I have to tell you if you have the time. Oh, sure, sure. Go ahead. Um, I made friends with a lot of the locals. We went, uh, Gina and I hung out um, at a pub called A Bunch of Grapes. Uh, it's just across from Harris Department Store because we were staying in South Kensington. Okay. And uh, I got to know some of them, and I said, hey, I said, can you take me to some of your pubs that are haunted, you know? Mm-hmm. And Andy goes, oh, yeah, I can take you. So the next night he took us, and uh, some, uh, one, uh, two of them was no big deal. So finally we went into the pub called the Grenadier. Okay. This is supposed to be quite old. And uh, when you walk in, it's not very big, it's small. And they have the typical rails around the side of the walls with the, uh, the, where you can put your foot up and have a drink. And then they had mm-hmm. a very small bar. And on each side of the bar, to the left and right, was an extending room with a long table and benches. And so we're just, Gina sat on one side of him, and, and of Andy, and I sat on the other side. And uh, we didn't really talk too much. I was just kind of, you know, viewing around, uh, you know, how unique and this is several hundred years old and how wonderful it was. And and I was there in November because we went for my birthday. And um, I turned around and somebody opened the door and I turned around and I looked and I saw snow falling and there was no snow falling. Uh And snow was falling and in walked a grenadier full 
like a, almost a full body, and he was brushing his uh, the snow off his clothes, and he took his hat off, and he saw his friends. All of a sudden, I looked to the right of the bar where the long table was, and there was nothing but grenadier and people sitting there. And he's going, hey, you know, and he walked over to it, and as he walked over and he sat down, it all disappeared. And I'm going, okay, <laughs> you know, uh, what do I say? Do I say something to Andy and say what I saw? And so I didn't say anything. Andy turned around, he looked at me, he says, you saw him, didn't you? And I went, saw who? He says, you saw the grenadier, didn't you? And I went, uh, yeah, I did, oh, wow. you know. So that was kind of like, all right. And the other thing that happened to me was in Wales. Mm-hmm. And... Um, we went to Roofington, to, uh, Roofington Castle, and uh, we had to take the train from the U.K., uh, all, and it was a long thing, you know, and then you had to transfer into a bus. Okay. And uh, it was still light, and we went and we were going through the countryside, which was nice. Sheep, i never seen so many sheep in all my life. <laughs> and we went to another town, and I told, I told the driver, I said, please tell me when we get to Ruffington. I said, we want to go to Ruffington Castle. Oh, sure, fine. So by the time we got into Ruffington, it was already about eh, 5 o'clock. And, of course, it's like now it gets dark sure. early, and it's raining. Okay. And um, I'm looking, here's a big sign pointing to Ruffington Castle. And I go, okay, Gina, let's go. It's drizzling. I'm miserable. I just want to get inside. But there's woods on both sides of the castle. Mm-hmm. So that didn't help my overactive imagination. <laughs> Finally, we get into the castle, and everything was in my name. And um, I, I signed, and uh, they took us over. Uh, they said, well, you can't be in the front of the castle because there's a German convention of engineers there. So uh, we're going to have to put you over on the other side of the moat. Well, I don't care. I just want to get in, okay? Right. Um, we get into the castle, and uh, we have uh, uh, got into the room, and there was cobwebs hanging from the ceiling that were so black already. And I looked at the bellboy, and I said, <laughs> Is that up there for authenticity or what? He just looked, shrugged his shoulders, too high of a ceiling to go and clean it. Okay, whatever, you know. Uh-huh. And um, so we go and uh, they had a medieval dinner. I won't go through that because that's pretty long and lengthy. And one thing I'll say, the Welsh people, they sang opera and the voices were absolutely fabulous. Oh, wow. After the dinner, uh, we decided, Gina and I went into what was the king's room that they turned into like a little pub. We had a glass of wine, and we started talking to some of the locals. And they said, well, where's your room? And we told them, they said, oh, you're in Lady Grey's room. And the story goes that when Lord Ruffington went on the Crusades, Lady Grey stayed behind. When he came home, he accused her of of infidelity. And even though the servants sweared she did not... He he killed her. He had her beheaded. Oh jeez! And he's and I went. I'm in whose room? And they said, Well, not the whole room. They divided her room up into half. They said, But you're in her her uh, bedroom. I went. I'm thinking to myself, Oh, wonderful. Okay. Right. Wow. And I'm thinking to myself, I know something's going to happen. If it's her room, something's going to happen. You know. <laughs> so we got uh, we got in after twelve o'clock. Of course, the locals were being funny, the bewitching hour, and trying to freak us out. Sure. Finally, we get over. We had to go down this long hall through a couple doors to get to our room, and we get in. And Gina washes up, and she hits the bed, and she's out like a light. <laughs> okay. Laying in bed because uh, they were twin beds. I'm laying in the other bed. And I'm just finally, I was freezing because it was so cold. What they regarded as a warm heater wasn't even lukewarm. So I'm freezing. So I'm pulling the covers up as uh, much as I can. And I'm starting to fall asleep, and somebody's pushing me on the bed. And I'm going, oh, no, 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 don't tell me. Please don't tell me. And I looked at the foot of the bed, and there stood Lady Grey. And... She just was very sad, and I said, do you want me to say a prayer for you? She didn't talk. She just nodded. Uh-huh. So I said a prayer for her, and I said, Lord, take her soul into heaven. Don't let her be held into this castle. Set her free. Mm-hmm. And she was gone. Oh, cool. So about 5, 6 o'clock in the morning, I couldn't take the cold anymore. I got up. They had an old-fashioned clawed tub. 
Mm-hmm. And I filled it up with water as hot as I could take it without burning myself. Mm-hmm. And I got into it, and I'm getting, I'm, you know, getting snugged down into it. And I'm tired. I'm crabby. I'm in no mood to talk to anyone. And I had a feeling I was being watched. Oh. Here on the top of the ceiling was the head of Lord Ruffington. <laughs> and he's staring at me. And at this time, at this point, I looked at him and I said, You know, Your Lordship, I, and I use a few words I shouldn't have used. They're not ladylike, okay? <laughs> okay. And I said, If you get the blankety blank blank joy out of watching me bathing in this tub, fine, but you better leave me the H E L L alone because I'm crabby, I'm tired American, and you don't mess with an American. And like that, the head popped like it was a balloon. Oh. It just went, I could hear it go. And it was gone. And I don't even know what his lordship thought of me, but he didn't bother me anymore. I'll tell you that. Yeah, you sucked. Um, the, you took the fun all out of his out of his uh, observation, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, you know. So I went downstairs. I got dressed and went down and um, talked to some of the people that worked in the castle. And um, the one woman, she looked at me, and she was kind of a jolly, very... The Welsh people are wonderful people. I would go be, back to Wales in a minute. Oh. Um, I told her, and I said, you're going to think I'm crazy. And I told her, and she goes, no. She says, you're not the first one that that's happened to, you know. Mm. So uh, the, the, I guess the staff was quite used to having all this happened around and they made no bones about it of course i you know i wasn't used to it i could literally say i seen a an ancient ghost you know <laughs> yeah a couple of them actually yeah that's, right that's intense very very cool wow i i just i'm really thrilled that you took us on this journey today it's been amazing well i hope everybody believes me because i have nothing to gain by making up these stories no, absolutely, and uh, you know it, nothing that you've that you've represented today is not, you know, stories I haven't heard before. Not your stories, but the the phenomena. Sure. It's, it's mm-hmm. the, the phenomena is the same uh, across the board, and uh, I I just really thrilled that you chose our show to do this, and thank you so much, Catherine, for coming on. It's been an well, absolute pleasure meeting you. Thank you for having me. Oh. I very deeply appreciate it, and I hope sometime I come come back uh, with other stories that uh, I have. And um, I hope April will volunteer to tell you her stories. Yeah, absolutely. Please ask her to reach out to us. I'd like to hear those as well. But uh, thank you again. It's been a rare pleasure, and, uh, yeah, we'll definitely have you back. Well, thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Paranormal Portal Radio, as well as finding us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Paranormal Portal, P-O-R-T-L. And uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. we got hundreds of shows in our uh, our, our vault of <laughs> journeys into the Paranormal Portal. So I hope you'll check it, uh, check it out, guys. We're over there at YouTube.com slash Paranormal Portal. So hope to see you guys soon. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So uh, stay tuned. But we love you all. Be good, be kind, be nice. Take care of each other. Help each other out. Find the magic in every day and remember to laugh as much as you can. Take care, everybody.